1: The weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me to look back on Saturday's 2 or draw with Oldham Athletic is our Argyle reporter, Chris Errington.
0: Hi, Chris. Stu, how are you? Very well, apart from this rain. Yes, Yeah, we're recording this on Monday morning <laughs> and I think winter or certainly autumn, autumn has arrived in, uh, Definitely. in Plymouth, hasn't it? It's absolutely chucking it down it's, outside. It's so. not
1: nice. No? And uh, Saturday, 2 will draw with all yep. Um what's your take on
0: the game? I didn't think Argyle ever got going uh, from firing on all cylinders in that game. Uh, walking around outside uh, beforehand, talking to a few fans, uh, I just got the feeling that everyone thought that was going to be a routine win for Argyle. Um, sort of, yeah, we should win this, yeah, that should be okay. You know, Oldham were, I think, 21st in the table, 22nd in the table before the game, one win from six games. Uh, there was just an expectancy that Argyle, I think, were going to turn up and, and win the game. And whether that cropped in with the players as well, um, I don't know. But from the very first whistle, Oldham got on the front foot. There was a suspicion they might come to Home Park and try and play. Defensively, but they—they they didn't. They actually, you know, got forward well, took the lead. Uh, Argo battled back without ever playing brilliantly, but they got themselves two-one up when Byron Moore scored in the seventy-fourth minute. And you think, yeah, they'll go and see this through, and we'd have probably gone away and said, not great performance, but good three points. And then a corner, and you look at it on the TV replay, and it's a, it's. A, it's a really poor goal. It's mm. a, a ball pumped into the penalty area. And David Wheater, very good, experienced defender from higher levels. Got above Niall Canavan and scored with a header and it's, it's ended 2-2. So, yeah, definitely two points dropped from a, an Argyle perspective on Saturday. Yeah,
1: it's interesting what you're saying there about mm. Oldham's approach to the game. Because mm. I did a piece on Saturday morning, um, just looking at the Oldham press, really, yeah. And the manager said that they were going to come down and really take the game to Argyle, which as you say, is a surprising thing really, given where they are in the table and the style yep. they've had. Yep. You would have thought they'd be a little bit more cautious and you know, try and sort of soak up the pressure and hit Argyle on the break. But by all accounts, they really did take the game to Argyle.
0: And I do wonder if, if lots of teams will do this because it's clear that Argyle want to play from the back, start the play from the back, um, and they have got some good quality players. There's no doubt in there's some quality players in the Argyle team, but if the opposition stop Argyle from playing out the back and playing through the thirds like Ryan Lowe wants them to, and it disrupts their style and they perhaps start going a bit too low or they start being forced into mistakes, is, is that the, the best way for the opposition to try and hurt Argyle and beat Argyle rather than what you might expect in the past of yeah. sitting back, defending deep and then trying to catch him on the, on the counter-attack? So Argyle's change of style this season could actually end up, I think, Result in us seeing the opposition play very differently to what we've seen before. If you're the opposition, would you come to home park, put ten men behind the ball, and let Argyle ping the ball all over the place and do what they want to do, or do you want to try and disrupt what they're doing by um, playing forward? So it be it. The whole dynamic of watching Argyle is very different this yeah. season. It's where very, it's, it's very interesting hmm. when you
1: see the reaction of fans on social media after yes. the game yesterday. Yeah. it was. It was. It was actually really interesting to mm. look at, I thought. Do fans need to show some patience in the style that Ryan Lowe wants to play at Argyle? Because mm. as you say, it is completely different to mm. the days of Derek Adams. Mm. Um, there were some, some suggestions from fans that there you know, were shouts sort of get it forward or the, that type the world, of thing. There were, yeah. Is, are they within their rights to shout that? Because obviously, you know, Ryan Lowe has this idea of how mm. he wants to play, but it doesn't seem to be a plan
0: B. He's... Pretty clear in every time you speak to him that this is the way we're going to play. Now, I don't think that means that they're going to stick to everything absolutely rigidly. But I don't. I think he'll continue playing with three centre defenders. I don't yeah. see that changing. There was some talk about oh, the defence isn't good enough. Maybe we need four defenders. There's no indication from anything he said and what he did at Barry last season that that will happen. Um, will they? You know change things ever so slightly. They certainly need to pass the ball a bit quicker when they're at the back, but I think they're still learned, feeling their way into this this um, style of play, and things just aren't been doing quite quick enough, and when the opposition are closing them down, they are going to have to do it quicker. But when you're still perhaps getting used to the idea, um, maybe you just take a one-touch too many, you go backwards and sidewards instead of trying to play the pass through the line, as they say, into the midfield, and then to get Meyer and Josie Baxter going forward. So I, th- I think there's definitely room for improvement. There's definitely areas that they can tweak a bit. But the fundamentals of what Ryan Lowe believes in, I-, I just don't see him changing. Right. Now, come January, February, you know, he might have to have a rethink, but the players he's brought to the club have been with this style of play in mind. And I know there's been comments of, you know, you can't play your way out of League 2. He um, did have a berry last year, didn't but he? He did have a berry mm-hmm. last season and he would turn around and say that. It's one of those, you know, if you if one, any of our listeners saw Ryan and, and, and asked made that point to him, he would say, well, we got 103 goals last season, we were second in the league and played some fantastic football. So that's his belief. Is there a plan B? It might be a plan A and a half or something like that. You know, but he is going to stick to his principles. And I, I admire that. I yeah. admired that in Derek Adams. But, um, and they're very different principles and the styles of play. But maybe sometimes you just need to tweak them a little bit. But yeah, I we, think we, we, are, we are only seven league games in. Absolutely. And the one thing, one thing that does strike me is that it might need another transfer window for Ryan Lowe to get a few more players in who are comfortable at doing what he wants his team to do whereas at the moment we're in this period where we've got a group of players that haven't played for Ryan Lowe before and are adjusting to what's expected of them and are they really the type of players that are best suited to that style of play and then you've got people like and I made the point at the weekend Danny Meyer and Callum Fazzin almost could play blindfolded I mean their understanding is uncanny they just know where each other's going to be and you need that sort of that sort of understanding because you can't play off the cuff when you're being as precise as Argyle are trying to be yeah uh, so maybe a better understanding among players move the ball quicker and maybe he's going to take you know I think you started this little question nearby do Argyle need to fans need to show a bit more patience and it might take a bit of patience. Yeah. You know, but.
1: Well, I, I thought the the quotes from Ryan were really interesting at the weekend mm. as well because um, it, it sounded as well as though one or two players are not taking on board his instructions. Because mm. he said, you know, if Argyle fans think that I want my players to cross the ball into the box, they've got it wrong. Mm. And yet, you know, one or two players are putting crosses into the box, which is mm. not what he wants them to do. So, yeah. And at the moment, he doesn't have the option to, to change those players because he doesn't have the players that he wants to come in and. And, all, and do what he wants them to do
0: it's, it's always difficult I think at any level of football if you've got one transfer window and you come in you, you're not going to be able to make all the changes you want in one fell swoop so it is going to take a bit of time to implement things that's not to say that the players that weren't already at the club aren't capable of doing what's asked of him but it is very different um, and again as a, the point I tried to make uh, in one of the pieces I did on the, the Plymouth Live website over the weekend is that Ryan Lowe's come in and he's made such a positive impact on the club and brought some optimism to the club, and there is high expectation levels and you know I think people you know especially after winning the first two games of the season oh, I'll walk this we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. win the league by December January now you and I have seen enough League Two football to know that it's never a capable in no. League Two is it you know there's always going to be, gonna be um, pitfalls and and things and. You know, I think teams teams know how Argyle are going to play, so Argyle need to hone their style as much as they can, so that what they they can basically do what they do better than what the opposition can yeah. try and stop them to do. So, it you know it was frustrating on Saturday. I don't think they that was you know one of Argyle's poorer performances, but um, you know I'm not going to get too carried away in in, in, in September. Although there is a stat going around which is. Hopefully we'll end very soon, but Argyle haven't won a league game in se- in September for the last two years. Oh really? Yeah, because obviously when we've been doing this podcast, yeah, yeah, we've well, often sat in September talking about the feet. So yeah, yeah it'd be nice for them to get a win in September sometimes. Absolutely, I think it's interesting as
1: well. Ryan Lowe is obviously a more well-known manager this year as well. You know, yes. last year he was a rookie manager. It's his first full season at Berry. Yeah. People didn't know. <clears throat> yeah. People didn't know what Ryan Lowe and his style of the football was going to be. Yeah. So obviously people are aware of Ryan mm. over this season and how he's going to play and yep. are able to adapt their game and, and tactics for that
0: situation. Yeah, and I suppose that's where fans are saying, well, do we need a plan B or do we need to think about doing this, that and the other? Because, yeah, I don't think there's any secret. I think, you know, if you're the opposition, you know, you know how Argyle are going to play. And uh, I think I said it on the podcast last week, but the Northampton game, the away game, you know, if you're Port, Argyle are away to Port Vale this Saturday. Port Vale, all they're going to do is look at the DVD from Argyle's game against Northampton. They'll look at how Northampton played. They'll look at the trouble that Northampton caused them Argyle in the first half. I'd be astonished if Port Vale didn't do exactly the same thing that, yeah. that that Northampton did. Now, Ryan Lowe is not stupid. He will expect that. So he will then respond by saying to his team, look, this is what we did wrong. This is what we need to do better. And hopefully counteract that. But um, some teams, you know, you will know... Stu, you sit in the press box before the game, and you ask the opposition reporter how are, how are your team going to go and line up, and he's going to go. Well, it might be this, it could be that, you know. But you know, I'm at the moment. I'm know that Argyle are going to play three one four two, and I yeah. think that will be the case for for most, if not all, the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think fans need to
1: remember as well, it, and I think you made the point really, really clearly that it is still an evolution for goal, you know, you're know. you still in that transitional pay phase mm. where mm. there are some new players that have come in yeah. there are still some of the old guard there mm. and Ryan Lowe said himself these guys will be given a chance but if they don't start playing mm. the way he wants them to do then he will get yeah. rid of them and they've got until
0: January I guess to, yeah. to show that they are worthy of staying at Argyle and with all the young players that have gone out on loan I think there's five now out on loan at Truro, Dorchester and Aldershot there's still a squad of 23 players there um, who are all Capable of playing in the team, and with Dom Telford and Joel Grant coming back into training this week, and Will Ameson having made his first appearance for Argyle and now building his way up, that that's there's twenty two, twenty three players that are going to be, you know, in his thoughts for for Saturday's game at Port Vale. So if players aren't performing, he has got other options. Mm. Um, so the, there's you know, undoubted ability in that squad. You know. Danny Meyer, Baxter, Sarsavik, uh, George Cooper coming in. There's there's some there's some real good quality. That, that doesn't
1: seem to be the issue though, does it? It seems to be at the other end of the pitch. Yeah, and, and I think can... balls out the back of the net. And I
0: think we've got a couple of questions there. Uh, yeah, from we our, do from our regular listeners. Absolutely, thank you, yeah, thank we, you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
1: Dave McCartney. Over mm. the years, the right back is always the target of the fans' anger. Mm. Discuss Kelvin Miller was one. Yeah. Um, Gary Miller. Gary Miller. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds as though. Uh, Joe Riley seems to be getting a bit of stick from the Green Army right now.
0: Yeah, I don't know why that is. Do you think that's because right backs tend to be nearer the near the pit? Near, near yeah, the, near the fans. Yeah. Do you think that's one of the cases?
1: Quite possibly. I mean, it's it's not uncommon. I've seen yeah. it at, at other grounds as well where the full backs have come in for. A
0: you know, if you're stick. in the centre of the pitch, it's almost pointless shouting at somebody in the centre yeah. of the pitch because they're probably not going to hear. you. But yeah. if the right back runs over and takes a throw in or something like that, it's probably yeah. in. Um, Within, uh, within earshot. It, you think it's unjust then for, for Joe Riley? Uh, I think it's still early days for be, for people to be getting on at anyone, to be honest. Um, Joe Riley didn't have a, a great season last season, his first season. His form was a bit in and out and he did have um, injury trouble as well. Uh, I thought he started the season well. Uh, he did have this problem with his arm where he, he missed the game um, because of the... Um, pain he was still getting from the arm he broke in March. He knows Ryan Lowe from playing days at Bury, so I think he's got a better understanding than a lot maybe of what Ryan Lowe's about and what he expects. I just think with the the, the issue that I think Joe Riley's got is because he, he's playing the same position on the opposite side of the pitch to Callum McFadzin. Callum McFadzin has come in and done really well. He plays that left wing-back role like that's his natural Position And as I've said already, him and Danny May just have got this understanding. And when Argyle go down the left, it looks threatening, dangerous. You know, the balls that come in into the box are the sort of quality balls that strikers will thrive on. And it all looks very natural. And on the right side, it isn't functioning like that. Yeah. And and so I think Joe Riley, if you compare him with what Callum McFadzine's doing, it isn't the same. Joe's... Um, you know, maybe could get some better quality crosses into the box when he gets advanced into the right positions. I, I would argue, though, that he is getting into good positions. I thought in the first half on Saturday, he got into some really good areas and created a couple of opportunities with his play. There was one cutback for Jose Baxter, who had a good shot saved. Um, so I think he was he's getting in the right positions. Maybe that final ball from him mm. could be better. Well, it's interesting you say that because... Mm.
1: You know, Ryan Lowe said, if mm. I don't want crosses coming mm. into the box, and Yeah, he's doing that, Yeah, and he shouldn't you know, he should yeah. be getting his head up and, and yeah. playing a pass instead.
0: Yeah. So and that was a good one The the back's the chance I'm talking about was when he got forward, he got round the back, he and cut the ball back out. and picked somebody out. So he's not playing as well as Callum Fazin. I don't think he's you know playing disastrously badly by any stretch of the imagination. So um I just think perhaps he's suffering because you know, Callum is is is, is you well. know, been, you know, one of Argyll's best two, three players. You know, if you said to me name Argyle's best three players this season, Alex Palmer, Callum McFadden and Danny Mayer. Mm. So, um but right backs have uh, that right I mean he's not playing as a right back, he's playing as a I wing back. That, but he's but still on that that, line, side, isn't he? that side that <laughs> side has been an issue. Kel- I mean Oscar Farrakhan seems to have been about the only player that's played that position in like but, you yeah. say from, since Kelvin Mellor's days but that sort of um has really sort of won the fans over. So
1: yeah, well, Michael Smith mm. is he's sent us another message. So thanks for that, Michael. He says mm. it seems to be any of last season's players mm. that are fair game for the Boo be- Boys.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I suppose fans will turn around and say, well, they got us relegated and have less patience for them and things like that. I just think it's 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 really early in the season. Are are where they want to be? Uh, they want to be higher than where they are. I do think, you know, let's be honest, with Exeter having such a good start to the season and being top of the table, that's um what's the phrase I'm looking for? Annoy them. <laughs> them, yeah, probably yeah. You know, so the there was expectation that Argyle were gonna you know, they won the first two games, we're gonna win the league by Christmas, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. Hasn't gone quite as planned the last couple of games. And so there's a little bit of frustration building up. And i was touched on these high expectation levels. Yeah. And our government are going to have to deal with that. You know, those are expectations aren't going to disappear. So they're going to have to deal with it, embrace it, take it on. And uh, so, you know, our, Joe Riley is, is somebody that we obviously just discussed about. Uh, you know, Niall Canavan, Scott Wooten uh, were here last season, although Scott didn't play many games, to be fair to him. You know, he didn't play from September onwards. So... Uh, what happened in the end wasn't particularly down to him. So, uh, look when 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 things aren't going well, fans fans will will criticise and as we always say, everyone you know they're entitled to. They pay their money, they're entitled to. But we're well, seven league games into a forty six league game yeah. season. Arsenal are a work in progress. Ryan Lowe says that I think in every conference press conference I've been with him, whether it come after a win or a defeat, we are a work in progress. Yeah. You know, let's get George Cooper up to speed, Jose Baxter up to speed. Let's get a better understanding around the players and see how it goes. If if they can start linking up like Maya and McFadden are doing, then then Argyle will be fine and they'll be yeah. flying. So, for um, for me,
1: I think the key player is Will Ameson. You know, mm-hmm. he obviously bought Williamson in, yeah. well aware of the fact Argyle had conceded so many goals yeah. in being relegated last season. Yeah. Obviously, he arrived at Argyle with this uh, injury. He's, yeah. he's not been able to get. To full match fitness, yet he's on the verge of a return. Yeah, it seems a matter of time, I guess, until Will Ameson comes in. There's going to be big expectation on him, though, to, to perform and yeah, you know, sort of plug these, these holes that Argyle have in their backline right now.
0: Yeah, and I think if we go on to the question from Richard Sloan, yeah, then, then I can cover both of those sort of topics in, in one there. Um, so. Yeah, so Richard's just yeah. saying, can Argyle in promotion with their current defence? So, obviously, we're in the sort of defensive <laughs> situation at yeah. the moment, and Will Ames came back, and, and I thought he did very well in 45 minutes, albeit against Bristol Rovers in the EFL trophy, but I thought he looked the part. Now, that's one game of football he's had since the day he signed for Argyle, so you can't, I don't think, throw him straight into the to the league team they are going to have to work, in, work his way in but he looks to have the attributes that he would require and obviously he has that understanding of what Ryan Lowe wants from his central defenders in terms of taking the ball off the keeper and, and moving the ball through the thirds. I think what we've, what we've seen with Josh Grant is likely to happen with Will Olsen in the fact that Josh Grant was signed on loan from Chelsea. First couple of games he had to sort of bide his time He's worked his way into the team through the cup games that Argyle have had and then with his performances in the cup games that's earned him his first league start against um, Oldham on Saturday. I thought he was one of Argyle's best players that day. He's come from Chelsea, he's 20, he's an England youth international, he looks comfortable on the ball. It looks, you know, he's not faultless and he's 20 so he's going to make mistakes and things like that but he looks suited out of all the Argyle defenders that I've seen. To playing out from the back. So I think now Josh Grant's in the team, as long as he performs like he suggested he's capable of, I think he will stay there. And I think there's every chance of Will Ameson, once he gets in the team, will probably do the same thing. But he's got to work his way in the team. So Richard asked the question Can Argo win promotion with their current defence? If we end up with a defence maybe of Ameson, Canavan, Grant, that's a very different one than the one that started the season. Um, and I'm not going to put my neck on the chopping block and say Ameson, Canavan, and Grant is going to win Argyle promotion, but I think there's the potential for that to be better suited yeah. to the way Argyle want to play. So uh, I think there's going to be changes at the, at the back. And of I course,
1: the injuries are going to play a part in that as well. Well,
0: they're likely to. Um, there's, five, there's five central defenders with Ameson and, and Grant, uh, and then Wooten, Canavan, and Sawyer. Five central defenders playing for three places. So competition for places there, and um, you know we've seen that on Saturday, Ryan Lowe was happy to put right um, Josh Grant in instead of Gary Sawyer, the club captain. So you know he's going to go on the best the best three. He's going to pick the, the team that he thinks is going to win. He's going to pick the defence that needs to improve. Just slightly going off topic, but still on the defence and following on from from Richard's question is. The the one big issue I think Argo have got at the moment is defending crosses in their own box. Uh, it cost them against Newport when they lost, and there was a cross came in the box. Good header, but you know, you know, you don't really want to be conceding headed goals from crosses. That cost them there. The, against Northampton, all three goals came from um, Sam Hoskins crosses into the box, and then again on on Saturdays we discussed the second goal. It's just a routine corner. You know, and you know, every now and then you're going to concede a goal from set pieces. Of course, you are. You know, good delivery. You know, no one's perfect, but there's in three games: Newport, Northampton, and um, and Oldham. That's five goals that have come from crosses that could and should have been dealt with. So that is definitely, definitely an area that Argyle have got to improve on.
1: Well, welcome back to the second part of the podcast, um, Chris. I want to take matters off the pitch now because we do like to discuss. All things going on at Argyle, yes. Um, there's uh, uh, the issue with the supporters at the moment. Um, there seems to be a lot of talk with, of Argyle and a small minority and their anti-social behaviour. I think there was accusations of homophobic chanting at Northampton. The uh, club secretary Zach Newton took to the club programme to express his disappointment at the behaviour of a um, minority fans. And we should, you know, make that clear. Uh, he pointed out that the FA, looking closely at Argyle, uh, there seems to be an issue with homophobic chanting, as we say, and also standing at grounds.
0: What your, what's your take on it? Have you seen much evidence of this? Yeah, I mean, th- there's definitely evidence of both. And um, it has been a talking point among fans and on social media. Uh, the persistent standing debate, you know, we've, we've done a few stories on and uh, tried to portray sort of opinions on both sides. As the rain absolutely <laughs> lashes down I say persistent rain here, not persistent standing <laughs> isn't it yeah you probably hear it in the background here it's so like, yeah. oh, hard quacky Stu, that's that's proper rain so, isn't it? It? Um so there's the, both have cropped up this season uh, the homophobic chanting is particularly disappointing isn't it there's no place in football for that for racism for anything like that and it needs to be stamped out um, I do think it has been a bit more of an issue at the start of this season than I've seen in previous seasons. So I think my own personal experience of what I've seen and heard is that it is on the increase. So I think Argyle really need to, to crack down on the, um, the, the chanting and, and antisocial behaviour. There's no place in football for it. Uh, I do think uh, the club can do a certain amount I do think there is a responsibility on fans as well. You know, if you see somebody doing that, to point it out. I know it's not always easy to do that, but if you're a fan at an away game, do you all want to be tarred with the same brush? Do you all want to suffer the consequences of maybe um, extra policing, extra stewarding, extra price on admission tickets because the home team are going to have extra stewards, extra police, this, that and the other? Um... Argyle needs to crack down on it, and people that are found guilty of this have to be banned. Simple as. Uh, There's no place for it. I do think it seems to be just creeping in, and I think it's probably creeping in in football in general. I mean, I think we can think of other instances, other clubs and and things like that, where things are not quite going right now. I'm old enough to remember you know, football in the 70s and 80s and, and the, the racial abuse that used to go on. And it was horrific. It was disgraceful. I hoped like probably a lot of people that it had gone away or was going away. Um, and it, it's something that the authorities, but we as football fans, have to play our part in as well and try and uh, crack down on. The persistent sanding is, is, um, is a real hot topic. I know there's a small section of Argyle fans but uh, don't like the way guy, are dealing with it. Um, I, I can see both sides to the, to the argument. I suppose one of the things I would say to the people that do stand is that around you there may well be six, seven-year-old children, there may well be 75-year-old people that can't stand up. Um, sometimes you've got to be a little bit considerate of people around you. Yeah. Now, I know full well that the people that tend to stand up are the ones that tend to make the noise, that tend to create the atmosphere, and you do not want to lose that. So it's just about trying to find common sense solutions. Safe standing is a, is a, a, a good way of going forward, in my opinion, yeah, I'm absolutely. an advocate of safe standing. Yeah. And if we can get Argo into a situation where they have that, I think that would be brilliant. Mm. For the time being, maybe people on both sides of the argument have got to be understanding of where the others are coming from, and just, Try and, you know, get through this this period. Would um, it be fair to
1: say that this sh- issue has arisen more so since the redevelopment of the Mayflower? One of the
0: problems is is that the people that used to sit in the grandstand tended to be the older supporters, yeah. and they have relocated to say the Lindhurst stand at the Devonport end, and they like to sit down, and some of the younger ones like to stand up and make some noise and like I say we don't want to lose the noise in the atmosphere no, so you you're stuck in that dilemma aren't you yeah, and yeah. when the Mayflower grandstand reopens and a lot of fans I suspect will uh, return from it might not be so much of an issue um, so yes antisocial behavior I think I uh, need to really crack down on it and uh, and just with the standing, you know, I don't want to lose the atmosphere. You have got to think of other people around you. Yeah. You, you can't just say, that I'm going to do what I want and I'm not bothered about. Because I, the, I'll go, every game I've ever played this season, the away end has basically been full. Yeah. They're selling out all their allocation of tickets. There is no spare space. You know, if you're there, and I'm partly saying this, I'm a dad, I hold my hand up. You know, i have taken my lad to, to football. Uh, you're you're a dad, yeah, you know I understand the young, younger fans or whoever it is wants to stand and, and shout and enjoy the game that's absolutely fine but the other side of the argument is if I'm sat there with my little nine-year-old and he can't see the game because everyone stood up around him is, is that right? Mm. So it's it's finding that balance. Isn't absolutely, it and not, I'm
1: totally with you on, mm. on the whole safe standing as well mm. you know I, I think mm. I think it will be a matter of time before safe standing comes back yeah. into uh, shrewsbury have got it and it seems yeah, to be working well there well. so yeah. i think celtic park they have it in celtic as well and it's yeah. working well we've seen it work on the continents you know terracing in general has evolved and developed so much since you know the, the hillsborough disaster of the yeah, late 80s definitely. so uh, hopefully that does come into force soon fans across the country want it you yeah know? i mean there's the mm. the motion that was put forward in parliament wasn't there where there were so many people backing it so hopefully you know, we do see standing returning to football grounds. And imagine how good the Devonport would be if that was a terraced area. Yeah, You know, I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm I
0: think it, there's potential for it to work really well yeah. um, and create a really good, vibrant atmosphere. We, like i like to say, it just feels like we're in a bit of a... Yeah, sort of a... a Caught between a m- rock and a yes, hard exactly. base, almost, yeah, because basically, so, yeah. of the stand. Yeah, and, and you're trying to accommodate two sets of the same fan base, but, but with very different ways of how they want to watch football. Yeah. And you're putting them in to basically two stands at home park at the moment. And it's therefore probably not surprising that there were a few... Yeah, a bit of Yes, yeah. Indeed. Well, let's get back to the football then, Chris. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, two games this week mm-hmm. for Argyle. One of the first one, of course, not a first-team game, yeah. but uh, quite an important one in terms of development of young players in the under-23s, because Argyle have... Yeovil Town at Home Park on Thursday on in Thursday evening. Premier even. League and the Twenty Three Cup.
0: Yeah. and uh, the Premier League Cup was uh, Argyle entered it last season and they beat Portsmouth in the qualifying round, and then they ended up playing Aston Villa, Bristol City, and Derby County. I almost forgot that, <laughs> Stu. <Steve. laughs> and they were great games for the young players to play in against good quality opposition. Um, they went, for example, and played at Villa Park. Argyle. Yeah. And, you know what a great place to go and play. So I think those these games are really good for the development of the young players. Now, five of them are out on loan to um, Truro, Dorchester and, and Weymouth. So I'm suspecting that they won't be involved in these games this season because if they're playing on Thursday nights and things like that, I can't imagine Truro, Dorchester, and all the shot are gonna want them playing on a Thursday night. So I think this season Argyle might have a slightly younger team, but nonetheless, great for development. Uh have got, I've got uh, Yeovil as you say Stu in the second qualifying round on Thursday at Home Park Yeovil beat Newport 10-2 in the first yeah. qualifying round now I don't know what that says about anything but <laughs> that's an impressive result uh, you know, any yeah, level but, uh, so I don't know if that means that Yeovil are absolutely outstanding or Newport weren't very good at all or what have you but if Argo win against Yeovil on Thursday then they go into a group with um, Fulham Watford and Everton now those are three good teams and um,
1: and it's a group game, isn't it? So, uh, or group stage. Group so stages, six games.
0: So six games, home and away. Uh, I'm sure that Argyle assistant manager Stephen Schumacher, who started his career at Everton, and Argyle's new technical consultant Neil Jewsnip, who was uh, head of academy at Everton for seventeen years, would love to go to to Goodson Park and see Argyle youngsters play there. So, I think this competition is is you've got six good quality games against. Mm. Premier League, or I know Fulham aren't Premier League, but they have been in very recent times. Category 1. Good, you're going to play some good teams. Everton are the defending champions, for example. So, what a great experience, learning curve for those players. So, on the face of it, you know, I'll go Yeovil Thursday night, you know, does it really matter that much? I think it would be a big boost for youth development Ardard yeah. if I could win against Yeovil and get themselves those six games they acquitted themselves very well last year they you know I can't remember off the top of my head Stu how they it, the, the exact results but they didn't finish bottom of the group they finished third out of fourth and they, they drew quite a few games and it was it was a decent game so yeah. I, I think that's a, a good game and with Argyle being away on Saturday if you're around on Thursday night, I think you know, that watch. would be a decent game yeah. to go and
1: watch. I think also this competition is, is quite important to clubs like, like mm-hmm. Plymouth Argyle because you look at the standard of opposition they're playing in the Central League and a lot of teams are pulled out of that competition yes, this they season have. Yep. because last year the reserve teams were coming up against under-18s and, and they just felt it wasn't worth it bothering with really so I, I know Argyle are in it this year but yeah. I think there's only six teams in it as opposed to ten
0: yeah they've only got I think it's seven Central League games and then they've got three games in the Central League Cup so they're, they're down to ten games in the Central League effectively yeah. so there is only a, a certain amount of games that are going to be played uh, I think it's one of the reasons why Ryan Lowe so keen to get the 19, 20-year-olds out alone loan to get regular games yeah. and, and, you, and to finish the point you just made there yeah absolutely to get through mm. because that's six good quality games coming up that, that he can make real that the young players themselves can learn and test themselves and the Argos staff can look at these players and say look who is coming through uh, you know Ryan you know, is is giving you the chance he's like any manager you've got to be good enough to get in the team Jude Boyd, a 17-year-old apprentice, made his debut for Argyle against Bristol Rovers last week. A little bit out of the blue, but that's someone that's who, who's impressed him in pre-season. He's asked uh, the Argyle Academy staff who's doing well. They've said Jude Boyd, so that's led to him getting a chance. Now, I know it's in the EFL trophy, but nonetheless, it shows that the manager's thinking about yeah. youth. And if there's anyone that's impressing, he's not afraid to look. And he did mention Reuben Collum, who's a, a, a wing-back uh, who I think, from what the limited amount I've seen of him, looks like a real Ryan Lowe type player. He could be one that would. So you're looking at you know, Jude Boy, Ruben Collin, people like that that could really benefit yeah. from playing against Everton, Fulham, and Watford. So yeah, it's um, an important. Uh, There'll be an important night for our goal youth development on Thursday.
1: Absolutely, and then back to the first team. We'll finish yes, with the with the game away at Port Vale on Saturday. Yep. Going to Port Vale, a great place to play because it's a yes. big pitch. Big pitch. And a good pitch as
0: well. Yes. Um, I mean you would think and I haven't asked why I know this, but I will ask him before the game, but the bigger the pitch you'd have thought that would be better for a team that's trying to pass the ball, wouldn't you? Yeah. Isn't I it think hard so. isn't it gonna be harder to close them down? More space. More space to sort of move the ball around yeah, in really spread
1: the play again. More the width fullbacks wide on the touchline. Yeah,
0: line. You would have thought Yeah I mean, we've both been to Vale Park, um I'm sure quite a few of our listeners have before as well, but the pitch just looks huge every time I've been there. The Wembley of the North. Well, they always used to call it because the stadium itself is quite massive. It feels a big sight, doesn't it? Absolutely. Some of of the grounds you go to in League 1 and League 2, everything's all very tight and congested and on top of everything, but uh, (laughs) the stands at Vale Park go back a long way. They're not very high, but they go back and the pitch always looks massive. Yeah, it does. Um, Yeah, so... Having seen Argyle have the difficulties they did against Northampton, I'm going to be fascinated to see, one, how Argyle respond after that performance and what they try to do better to avoid a similar result. And I'm I'm expecting Port Vale to play very similar to the way Northampton did. So, um, you know, it's going to be a battle of styles, a yeah. battle of wits. Yeah. Who's going to... Who's going to come out on top in that? It, You know, Argo have, what's that, one point in the last two games. The three of the next four are away from home now. They've got uh, Port Vale on Saturday. Then we've got uh, a nice Tuesday night jaunt to Crawley Town. Home game against Cheltenham and then an away game against Mansfield, who you'd expect to be, you know, there pretty deep. Yeah. Yeah. So three of the next four are away from home. So this is where Argo need to sort of be nailing down how they're going to play away from home and uh so portvale yeah good test they need to yeah. they need to go up there and get a good performance in uh and in terms get of the personnel
1: then chris do you, mm. do you foresee many changes we've spoken about will Emerson perhaps mm. coming into the back line do you think he'll maybe play against you over on thursday in right uh, yeah, yeah. give him another week
0: yeah i didn't I I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned that but that, yeah I mean you can play overage players yeah. in the, the Premier League Cup, and that probably wouldn't be a bad game to do it yeah I, I haven't had the chance to ask Ryan Lowe these questions but yeah that's good that would be a good game for him to to get some minutes in could I see Will Ameson starting at Port Vale on Saturday I just think he it's a bit of a risk to throw him in after just one 45 minute run out yeah. and all through the season Ryan Lowe said I'm not taking any risks with so and so I'm not taking any risks with so and so so I think that would be a risk if you put Aimton in. Um, how are they going to work things around? Anthony Sarsavic will be available this Saturday. Um, so that central midfield area is an interesting one. You know, what do you do with their, with that position because Danny Mayer is going to get in the team, unless he he goes goes badly. But then you've got Jose Baxter, Connor Grant, and Anthony Sarsavic all competing. So what's he going to do? With that position, Anthony Sarsavic, when he's going, gives you perhaps a bit more running power than the other two, and you know, maybe away from home, you know, that would be useful. Uh, so, I'd be interested to see what they do there. Interested to see what they do with George Cooper because I, he's got ability, He that lad yeah. has got ability, and I've got to find a way of getting him in the team. He's not as fit as as, as he could be because he's not played any 1st football, so, but they've got to get him in the game. Now, whether that means starting games, whether they keep giving him 30 minutes there and then a half and building it up. He's someone that I think could play right wing back if they decided that Joe Riley wasn't giving them what they wanted. You know, he, he's capable of playing wing back. So maybe watch him as a possible right wing back going forward. There's, there's lots of options there. Don Telford and Joel Grant are coming back from injuries, but you know, they've had a little bit of stop start. Do you throw them... Straight back in it's you know. Yeah. There's 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 quite a few sort of question marks about players not being quite hundred percent for one reason or another, and until Argyle can sort of get them games, then you are never be going to be quite sure how Ryan Lowe's going to go about it. But uh, yeah, it, I th- I think Josh Grant's in, so I think he he's got a good chance of being there to stay. Uh, then it's up to the other defenders to prove that they they should be staying in the team and they're going to need to defend better at crosses to, to, to have any chance of doing that. Indeed. Right, well, we'll leave it at that then. Chris, okay. Thanks as ever for joining me
1: on the podcast. That's all we have time for. We'll be back with more of the same next week. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.